What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode 27 of Marshall Time. Got some great topics coming up for today's show. What's going on with you, bro? What's up, bro? How you doing? I can't complain. Can't complain. We almost there. Super Bowl weekend in Vegas. The matchup is set. The Chiefs versus the 49ers. So first off, before we get into all the other topics that we need to get into, we got to recap the conference championship rounds. The 49ers defeating the Detroit Lions. They gave up that huge lead. So Detroit fans, listen, man, I feel for you. The toughest thing is, though, is that, like, you never know if that might be your best shot to get there, you know, in the next decade, right? It's been so long since they got to that point. You, you would think, you know, with the right coaching and, and Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit now as the offensive coordinator, maybe you expect them to be back at that that point, but you just never know. In the NFL, you look at last year's playoffs, there's always, like, a few teams that didn't make it the previous year that step up and make it next year. So Detroit, the, the key for Detroit right now is can they sustain that success? That's the tough part about what happened with Detroit. You just, those fans have waited so long. And now it's like, man, how do we sustain the success? Right. And that's, that's the true test. And that's the thing that stands out to me about that game. On the other side, the 49ers, I mean, not the 49ers, the Chiefs and the Ravens, the inevitable. What can we say? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they do it again. For me, you know, you could talk about Baltimore's struggles and Lamar Jackson and the offense. And the play calling, it's gotten to a point where when you see Kansas City on that schedule come playoff time, you'd be hard-pressed to go against them, honestly, right? No matter what you may feel about them, you may be tired of seeing them winning. But at the end of the day, they could talk about the Lamar Jacksons, Jacksons the Josh Allens. Um, he's hurt this year, the Joe Burrows. You got to pencil in Patrick Mahomes to get in a couple couple rounds deep at least. Like, he's gotten to that point to where you got to get past him, regardless of what wideouts he's throwing it to, the running backs that he's giving it off to. I mean, Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, these aren't household names, right? I know Travis Kelsey is, but outside of that, the system, the QB, and the coach has proven time and time again. He talked about the Patriots, the system, the QB, and the coach. And this is what Kansas City is right now. And to me, Mahomes is at that point to where it's like he's on an island of himself. You cannot compare him to any other quarterback in the league. I mean, I think he's proven it time and time again. He has the championships, and he's proven himself. He actually won on the road in the playoffs this year. That was the next step in his evolution, right? They never had to play on the road like they have this year, right? And so he did it. What can you say more about him? He's like Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. They were the reason guys like Barkley and, and Ewing didn't have championships because of MJ and the Bulls and the Chiefs and Mahomes are the reason why the quarterbacks and teams I just mentioned, they're not getting Super Bowls. It's all because of Patrick Mahomes. And so that's my takeaway from, you know, both games that we just saw this, this past weekend. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, as far as the Lions, man, like they went – they they went wrong in so many ways. And the 49ers, like, they're the luckiest team I've seen in a minute. Because if we're being honest, they should have lost to Green Bay the week before. Like, mm-hmm. all the dropped interceptions, um, dropped catches. Aaron Jones was playing like a beast. And they, you know what I mean? Kirk, mm-hmm. Like, Jordan Love was playing awesome until that last throw. But even with this game against the Lions, like, they were down 24-10. And Brock Purdy throws a bomb that should have been intercepted. It bounces off the Lions cornerback helmet and Ayuk makes a catch. Things like that have just been going their way. I don't know how much longer they can sustain it because if we're being honest, they haven't played a full good game of playoff football yet. Mm. And both games they played, they haven't played a good game. So they're going to have to play a full game against the Chiefs. But um, 
I mean, they won. It is what it is. They're going to be moving on. But Dan Campbell, man, like, I give him credit because he changed the culture in Detroit for this season. Like, you know, Detroit, they've never been to the Super Bowl. And this is the first time they've been had a chance to go to the Super Bowl in years. And, you know, he had, he gets a lot of credit for that. But in that game, man, he made so many mistakes. Like, he didn't go for it to get a touchdown before half. And they were, like, right on the two or the three-yard line. So he takes the field goal. Then second half, when he can go up three possessions, he goes for it. And to be honest, they should have got it, but one of their players dropped the ball. Josh Reynolds dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So, but you should have just took the three there. But then he kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And it's like, I get that's your identity, but that should have been your energy in the first half. If you score that touchdown in the first half, you're not, you don't even have to go for it that many times in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel like that was just backwards to me. As far as the Chiefs, everything you said about Mahomes and Andy Reid was right on point. But we got to give credit to the Chiefs defense too, man. Like, they've come a long way. When Mahomes and Andy Reid were first, like, you know, starting to build this dynasty that they're, they're they're continuing to build on, their defense wasn't their strong point. But over the past season and, like, really past two seasons, their defense has become, like, really elite, especially their secondary. We already know they have Chris Jones, who's, you know, he's great. He's stopping the run. He's great at getting pressures. But – Legereus Sneed has, you know, he's come a long way as being one of the best corners in the league. And they just did an awesome job on Sunday. Like, they had a game plan and they stuck with it, man. Like, a lot of teams don't do that. A lot of teams come in with a game plan and as soon as, you know, it's a little kink in the armor, they start scrambling. But the Chiefs, you know, give credit to Steve Spagnola and their defense. They stayed with it. Their game plan was to keep Lamar in the pocket, make him throw. And it worked perfectly, man. And honestly, Lamar... He has to work on improving as a passer, too. You know, he's made strides since he's gotten into the league. But if you're a quarterback, an elite quarterback, it's going to come a point in time where you have to win with your arm. And he has yet to do that in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time and again. The last time he won MVP, they lost to the Titans because the Titans employed this same game plan. Let's get out. Let's get a lead. Let's make Lamar throw them back in the game and let's control the ball when we get the ball back. Yeah, Derrick Henry, the Titans were killing them. This time, the Chiefs didn't have a Derrick Henry. They got Mahomes and Kelsey, though. You know what I mean? So if he wants to get it done, he's an elite talent, but he has to get the pass in the ballpark down, man. Like, I'm not saying he's a terrible thrower of the ball, but he has to really learn how to become more accurate, be smarter with the ball. That pick he threw was terrible. Mm-hmm. Triple coverage for what? Yeah. So I don't know. They got a lot of work to do. But, I mean, this was the Ravens' chance to do it because they already destroyed the 49ers in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So the confidence would have been there for them but they couldn't get past the Chiefs at home. And that's just, I mean, I know that's heartbreaking for them. Yeah, man, with, with the um, the Ravens, like, it's always easy to say this 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 person gets the blame or this thing gets the blame. It's never that easy, right? Just as building a winning culture and organization is from top to bottom, losing a game is from top to bottom, right? You don't lose a game because of one instance, right? And so Lamar has to improve. Yes, the Ravens have to stick to what they've been, right? Why don't you run the ball more? Why don't you help the quarterback out? You know, Lamar Jackson shouldn't be throwing a pass in triple coverage, right? And it's just hilarious. The funny thing is um, the tight end that he was throwing it to, uh, Likely. Yeah, I said Likely, yeah. <laughs> Thought he was Calvin Johnson pointing up, like, you know what I'm saying? So on the quarterback and the tight end, what are you doing? Like, you, you look crazy. You know what I mean? And so that's that. That's my thoughts on, on that. And in Detroit – the, the thing is the same the same reason the same things that somebody will will praise you on or the same thing that will get you success can be the same thing that people can criticize you for and, the, and can be your downfall and that's what Dan Campbell he's been doing this every year all year 
we're going on on fourth down. This is your mentality. And the playoff time, I'm not going to change that up. And I was waiting for the moment when that mentality would come back to haunt them because you cannot – look, the regular season and playoff situations are totally different. Especially come playoff time, you got to adjust. And adjusting means adjusting your playing style as well, right? Knowing the moment. And so the thing with Detroit is they had their moment in the playoffs. Like, how are you going to – how are you going to respond to adversity? This is a young team, up and coming, a first – you know, not a first year, but a, a pretty new head coach, right? He's not a veteran head coach. This is his first experience making it this far into the playoffs, right? Especially for the for most of these guys on this franchise, they were tested. You got knocked down. How do you respond? We saw what happened, right? Whether it was Josh Reynolds dropping the ball, Dan Campbell refusing to kick a field goal on fourth down against a team like San Francisco with the coach who's been there, a team that's been there with talent. You can't, you can't make those mistakes. And that's what we saw from Detroit. That's why it's rare to see an up and coming team like Detroit make a Super Bowl run. Like we teams like the 49ers and the Eagles that made it, you know, the past few years, the Patriots, um, the Rams, the Chiefs, they have experience from the sidelines onto the field. Like there's there's a history, right? They know how to handle certain situations, right? And so that's what it comes down to to Detroit. Like the same thing that Dan Campbell hung his hat on, that belief in his team, which is which is huge. But sometimes you gotta temper that, you gotta you gotta adjust, you know, like pride before the fall, right? Like that same thing that can can get you up to that highest level can also bring you down. Right. And so I think this is the learning lesson for the franchise, maybe for those players and for the coaches. And, and, and we'll see. So San Francisco Chiefs, I'm not sure if you have your pick yet, but I'm going with Mahomes. It's simple to me. Like I don't I've learned not to go against Mahomes in these moments. Brock Purdy versus Mahomes. I know that matchup who I'm going with defensively. I'm excited to see what the Chiefs can do against that 49ers offense. We got to see how Brock Purdy handles the pressure, how he handles the Chiefs defense, as you just mentioned. That's this is a legit Chiefs defense. And I think Mahomes can have his way. I think I think he's gonna win another Super Bowl ring. That's my pick. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards the Chiefs too. I mean, obviously because of Mahomes, but also like I said, their defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be real, I'm not a Brock Purdy believer. Like he still hasn't shown me that he's really that good of a quarterback. And it's just me, it's just my honest take from it. Like mm-hmm. he's made some good plays. Like last game. He, he did use his legs. He used his legs well. You know what I mean? But some of those throws were bad throws, drop picks, or players were, you know, his players were saving them, deflecting them. The Chiefs, if they can get those hands on those picks, especially if the Chiefs can just wrap up and tackle, because we know the Niners game. They want to work the short game. They want to get the CMC. They want to get to the Debo, IU, Kettle. They got weapons. But the thing is, if the Chiefs can wrap up and tackle and don't let these guys get the rack yards, there really should be no way the Chiefs should lose, because at the end of the day, they have the better quarterback, They've been there. They have the better coach, right? So it's just all about executing at this point. And I'm just going with Mahomes now. Like I said, the 49ers, they've been getting lucky. So it's the Super Bowl, too. We know, and it's in Vegas. Anything can happen. Once you make it, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm going with the Chiefs, man. They just have to get it done and execute, honestly. And at the end of the day, like I said, the Niners haven't played a full game of good playoff football yet. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, I've seen them, you know, play their game. In both games, you know, in, in the, the conference round, people would say, well, their offense didn't put up a lot of points, but they took care of the ball and they played field position football. They didn't let the Ravens get a lot of momentum. You know what I mean? And when they did get momentum, they made key plays. So mm-hmm. that's just what it is for me. I'm going with the Chiefs. 
And shout out to Andy Reid, man. You know, as Eagles fans, we, we know what he did for the Eagles organization, what he meant to that organization, you know, because when he was brought on to coach Philly, that franchise was down. Like they, they were struggling. Right. And so he turned that franchise around and we know the history of what he did. The NFC championship appearances, the Super Bowl appearance. He didn't win in Philly, but he got that franchise back on the right track. And, and he always seemed to be a quarterback guru, whether it was, I mean, Donovan McNabb was a, was a top pick. We knew what he was supposed to do, but the Coy Detmers, AJ Feely's right. It, it didn't matter who was brought in at quarterback at certain points. Andy Reid just sort of knew how to coach that position. And, and, and Patrick Mahomes, he has the perfect quarterback for, for, for his, his life's work pretty much. And I think having a quarterback like Mahomes has given Andy Reid just a second wind on his career and who knows how much longer it'll last. I don't know, but as soon as he retires hall of famer, no question. Just his resume from Philly to Kansas City. I mean, we talk about Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of all time because, yes, he has the rings, but Andy Reid is in that conversation as far as top coaches ever. I don't know why you want to rank them, but when it's all said and done, even right now, I mean, Andy Reid to me is a is a walking, living – he's a coaching legend, what he's been able to do. Um, and so I just wanted to give my salute to the Eagles legend. When, when Andy Reid wins – Eagles, Eagles fans win too. I always like to see him do well. So um, shout out to Andy Reid. It's it's always love to read, and it's just funny because like when you look, when you think about it, the stuff that he's done with Mahomes, mm-hmm. you saw the early stages of it when we had Vic and McCoy and DJ mm-hmm. and Macklin, like mm-hmm. those guys, like, and you can see Andy Reid was kind of building what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm further down the line, you know, mm-hmm. and one can say, well, we should have kept them. And that's been a big talking point in a lot of the Philly media this week. But, I mean, honestly, it was time for him to go here. You know, like, It was time I mean, for both sides, right? Yeah, it was time for both sides. And it worked out. We ended up getting a bowl not too long ago, not too, you know, not too much longer. And then he's going on to, you know, cement his legacy as one of the greatest coaches. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't complain. Both sides won. You know, people always say, oh, well, what if he stayed and, you know, he said, oh, let's get Mahomes. Who, what could have happened? We'll never know. You know what I mean? One can dream, but at the end of the day, you know, he he's still a equal, you know what I mean, equal legend. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I never – I don't look back and say I wish we would have still had Reed. You know, he's a great right. coach. I, he, he was a coach for in Philly for a long time, and sometimes it's just time to separate for both sides. Sometimes it's just – it's time to start fresh. And so I don't regret – the because he gave us good – great memories, right? Like moments that I still remember to this day, right? And so those are memories and moments that he gave us that we're still able to enjoy, but it also got us on the track to where we're a respected franchise now. It used to be a laughing stock toward, toward that little mid-90s run. Like I remember like it was, we were afterthought in NFCs and now we're a team looked upon as like the gold standard, right? And Andy Reid is a huge part of that, building up that culture. And so what he's done is still being lived through today. Like that's there's a standard that we expect from the Eagles. And I can tell you it starts back from when Andy Reid got here in Philly. Like he got us back on track. And so even the Mahomes thing, like you can't say Mahomes would end up here because we're talking about draft positioning. Who even we don't even know right. if we would even be in that position to draft the Mahomes. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's just I, I don't like going into what it could have should have in that situation. Certain things like Mikel Bridges being traded away on draft night, that's something where we can look at. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna forget about that because that's something that actually we see on paper. We had him, we see how it's working out for him now, how it's working out for us, how he can actually be a viable asset on this team. 
that's something we say, okay, what if? This Andy Reid thing to me is not a what if because we got our Super Bowl. He's got his rings. Everybody's happy. So I, I can't – yeah, the fans who speak that way, they got to get over it because we got a Super Bowl ring. You know, we got back last year, and we'll have a chance to go back next year. So it's all good. It's all good. Moving to the NBA, the trade deadline is next week, I believe. Let me double-check that. Man, this month is moving. It's already February next week. So the trade deadline is Thursday, February 8th. This is my favorite time of the year because on Twitter, we're hearing so many rumors, so many names. My favorite part is just the ridiculousness of these rumors, like um, three first-rounders for Kyle Kuzma, I think I saw the other day, or the Bulls are demanding two first-rounders for Alex Caruso. I'm like, I bet you are. Like, okay, whatever. Um, the, the Detroit Pistons all of a sudden wanting to get certain players. I'm like, why? Like, what What are you doing? Yeah, to say what happened to Lakers' young core for uh, Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. I'm like, Bogdanovich <laughs> is pushing 40. Why would the Lakers <laughs> even do that? Bad. Yeah, I mean, like, DeJon, I, there was, I think there was a rumor about them wanting or interested in Zach Levine. What do, yeah, what it, do was. We, it was. But, That's but, crazy. but why? Like, they don't know. What's 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 the thinking behind that situation? Zach Levine is still young. I think he's late, late twenties. I'm gonna say, um, but in the in the grand scheme of what you're building, Zach Levine is a player that you acquire when you're actually trying to compete for a championship. You're not even competing for a playing spot, right? All your guys, most of your guys are 21, 22, 23, right? Like they're in that range. Zach Levine is not fitting that timeline on where this team is going, where they're at right now. And that price tag. Have you seen his contract? Levine, yeah. It's crazy. In a f- in 26, 27, they're making $48 million. I'm sorry. Right. I'm not paying almost $50 million for Zach Levine, who's a to me is not a primary option on a championship team. To me, he's a secondary option. Um, so trade deadline is hilarious because I love seeing all the rumors and what these teams are asking for. I'm like, it sounds good, right? But also look at the teams who are in no man's land. And I'm looking at what they're going to do are they going to stand pat and go with the status quo and really we see where this is headed but you're just going to go with it anyway or you want to make moves and do these moves make sense and it's the same two teams i'm going to bring up until they figure it out the bulls and the hawks what are you doing <laughs> so the bulls first off you got demar Derozan. he's a free agent this year he's mid-30s zach levine we just talked about his contract Nikolai Vucevic, Alex Caruso. Four guys who will be valuable on a playoff team, right? Why? I think we've seen the ceiling of this team, right? That court, right? That's fair to say. Yeah. Okay, so what's the point in keeping this core together? That's that's my question. Like, you can try to get as much as you want, but in the grand scheme of things, if the end result is – not making the playoffs or losing in the play-in and losing these guys anyway, what's the point of keeping these guys? That's my question. They just don't have no direction. That's that's just the answer. They don't have no direction. They don't know what they want to do, even though we know what they should want to do. Um, it's time to blow it up, though, man. It's time to blow everything up. You talk about Levine's contract. Like, come on, bro. Let's just get him out of there. And you I like can't. Levine as a player. Yeah. I can't come on. You DeMar, can't expect too much in return for for that kind like, You just can't. Right. Demar, he's older. Caruso, he still he still can give a team, you know, especially a contender team. He'll be a great piece like OJ and OBS for the mm-hmm. Knicks. 
Um, it's just time to blow it up and say, "Yo, Kobe White, we running with you for the rest of this." Oh, no, he's nice. Now Kobe's he nice. Let him get the run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kobe's balling. He's having like the most yeah. improved player year, but a lot mm-hmm. of players don't. So he probably won't win it, but he's definitely balling. But it's time to say, "Yo, we just going to uh, just hit the reset button." Like it's the Bulls, man. They're not. It's, it's over. It's done. Like it's done. Your 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 ceiling was what first with this core. Your ceiling was what first round, second round. That's that's your ceiling, right? Playing. Yeah, playing like you're a perennial NBA TV classic come playoff time. Like that's you're in that NBA TV. They put your playoff games on NBA TV. That's what they do. Like you're, <laughs> you're like, it's that Chicago <laughs> Toronto NBA TV playing match. Yeah. Like NBA TV shows playoff games. They put the Bulls. Like you can guarantee the Bulls are in that that, yeah. that spot. Yeah, show them at three p.m. or something. yeah, three p.m. True TV matchup. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's the Bulls. I think the Hawks are in the same situation. Like, we got to – listen, another team with no identity. I know what they wanted their identity to be, right? You got Trey Young. You get a bunch of long, lanky guys who can defend and shoot. But the problem is you don't have that many shooters. These guys really aren't consistent shooters. And DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, Matt, it's just not, it's just not clicking, right? And so – just admit that you read it wrong. I know you want to trade DeJounte Murray, but you also got to figure out how long do we hold on to Trey Young before it's too late? And I mentioned this before where it's like you got to have a conversation about Trey Young, great player, but you got to figure out where you see this thing going with Trey Young being the number one option. How do you build a roster around that? Is the front office savvy enough to actually find the right talent and develop that talent to build around the trading. If that's the team you want to build around, how do you go about it? I don't have faith that the Hawks front office and their scouting and their development, I don't have faith that they know how to do that or if they would even do it the right way. And so to me, outside of Jalen Johnson, who I really like, and he's a most improved candidate, a lot of, we'll talk about that, a lot of most improved player candidates, Jalen Williams was, my pick entering this season. We'll see if he continues that trend. But for the Hawks, I think everybody except Jalen Johnson should be on the table for me. Um, move up Kobe Bufkin. He's, he's been doing his thing in the G League. Let him get run. But for me, the Hawks, where are they at right now in the Eastern Conference? This is, this is how I tell how bad it is for you. What's that? They're 19 and 27. So, so they're 11th, right? They're they're tied with the Nets for tenth place in the Eastern Conference, right? Um, the Nets. So your your record are you are what you are. You're the Brooklyn Nets with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. And so for me, Hawks fans, I don't know how you feel about this, but outside of Jalen Johnson. You got to entertain all conversations and offers at this point, because before you know it, two years, three years go by and Trey Young could be like a Dame situation in Portland. Then what? That's what I see for this. It's what the Wizards did with Bradley Bill and John Wall. You held on for too long. Now, what do you have to show for it? Right. That's where the Hawks are. They're at that fork in the road. And whichever decision they make could determine the franchise for the next handful of years. That's my take on the Hawks. Yeah, and I give the Hawks like I give them an A for effort because they tried. They tried. A lot. A lot of teams don't try. Yeah, they tried. It's just like you said. It's time to admit that it's just not going to be what it is. Like the Johnson tried. The Johnson needs the ball in his hand. He's not a great off ball player because he's not a he's not a great shooter. 
You know, he's very streaky. His defense, I mean, he plays he plays he plays good defense, but I feel like um like his defense isn't good enough to mask their offensive struggles and mm. it's not good enough to even mask Trey's defense. You know what I mean? It's not mm. like he's like a Kawhi or OG. Like he's plays good defense, but it's not it's just not that. And then honestly, like you said, they don't have consistent shooting. Um DeAndre Hunter, he showed flashes, but he's been hurt. So I just like it's the Hawks, like at the end of the day. What are they really going to do? Trey, I feel like he's going to end up in a situation how Nash was, right? We know Nash was on the Mavericks early on, and, you know, he went on to a new team, went to the Suns, and then he became, like, really, really elite. Like, he was already good, mm-hmm. and then he became, like, MVP, historic offense. Trey could be in the right situation. Mm-hmm. Trey could do the same thing Halliburton is doing in the right situation, mm-hmm. right? But the Pacers have built that. Like, they have tons of shooting, and they play mm-hmm. – they, they play that way. They they mm-hmm. want to get out and run and get up threes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it's going to take. You know, trades, they can do all the trades they want, but mm-hmm. how many more moves are we going to make? How many experiments are we going to have? Yeah. To where it's just like, bro, it's time to just, you know, move on. So we'll see. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because Trey Young is a franchise player. He, he, he puts fans in the seats, right? And so if you let go of a, a talent like Trey Young, you're admitting to your fans, like, this is a full rebuild. Right. And that could take years. And so the pressure's on this front office, like time is ticking, right? Because there's always new talent, new teams, right? The Pacers have, have, you know, surpassed you. The Cavs have like, these are young, the the magic, like these are teams that are all above you that aren't going anywhere. You know what I mean? So the question is, how do you compete against your, 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 how do you compete against teams that are sort of similar when it comes to, the age, right? And most of the teams in Eastern Conference aren't old. Like the Boston's two stars are young, right? The Sixers. Embiid isn't, you know, he'll be 30, but he's, he's in his prime. Maxi is just touching the surface of what he could be. Giannis isn't going anywhere, right? The Knicks have a young, you know, Brunson isn't old. OG isn't old. The Cavs are young. The Magic are still growing. The Pacers are still growing and getting better. So, that's the question the Hawks have to ask themselves. Like, can we develop the right team, the right pieces to make this work? Um, but there's, like you said, there's no, there's no magic fix to this, right? There's no magic fix in free agency. There's no magic fix when it comes down to trading. It all comes down to, it may sound like a broken record, but it's true. The Hawks have to have the mindset of a small market team, like the Thunder. They have to have that mindset yeah. of building through the draft and developing their young pieces, right? And drafting the right guys. When you look when you look at OKC, the thing that stands out to me is the guys that they target are skilled, right? They're not just ideas of like, okay, we got to get tall, athletic guys to play around Trey, but what do they offer? The problem with the Hawks is outside of DeJounte and Trey Young, who are you confident in that can be another ball handler and creator? That's another issue, right. right? You're still relying upon those two guys. Okay, well, one of those guys are out. Like, how do you – who's that third guy? I know Jalen Johnson has come into his own, so it remains to be seen how consistent he can be. But who's that third creator? I think to be a title contender, you have to have that third that third creator, that third ball handler, and I don't think the Hawks have that right now. And that's that's the yeah, issue right. when it – to me, that's, that's another big issue for the Hawks. Yeah. I also have – coming to the Western Conference, two teams that – I have questions about 
I have an idea of what one of those teams should do. Um, while the other team is sort of, to me, it's like they're in a good spot, right? The first team is the Warriors. Um, looking at, I'm looking at the standards once again. 19 and 24. You're behind Utah. Utah's in the 10th spot. Houston's 11th. Golden State's 12th. You have one more win than the Memphis Grizzlies, who have they're picking up guys on 10-day contracts left and right, I saw. To me, the Warriors, it's over. Um, once again, there's no magic trade to catapult you into a top six playoff team. It's just as great as Steph is still playing, Steph is still a great player, no doubt. But you got to be honest about Klay Thompson. He had a great game the other night against the Lakers. Great players are going to have great moments, but consistently, can we count on Clay to do that? No. Draymond Green is getting older. Andrew Wiggins has had his struggles. Chris Paul is going to be 39 in May. I think there's reports that Wiggins and Chris Paul on the trade block, maybe even Clay Thompson. I think the writing's on the wall for the Warriors. And it's tough because when you've had such a great run with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, it's hard to – you sort of got to kind of just rock out with it. You know what I mean? Like when it's been such a special run and special to the fans, they've sort of become like prisoners to their own success. Like we've been so great that we can't just – you know what I mean? Like we got to just ride this out. And with Steph even want to see Clay and Dre go away because once you do that, it's kind of like the ending of an era. And that's hard to do, right? Even as fans, we're so used to seeing Steph, Clay, and Dre have success together. It's, it's, it's difficult to even think about. But take away the names and look at the results, any other team would say it's over. So to me, it's about, yes, keep Steph. Steph is, Steph is the man. Steph is still going off. What I've been saying from Jonathan Kaminga is promising. This year, to me, letting Steph do his thing add to his great resume, allowing John Kaminga to just tap into what he's been doing because he's I'm seeing him driving into guys, big boying guys, and just he's tapping into something. Like this, this, this is a John Kaminga I was expecting to see at the start of the year, but I love what I'm seeing. And I want to see him continue to grow and evolve. And you can't, they've been they've been sort of in two timelines trying to win and develop. And it's just not going to work all that this most, more often than not, it's not going to work, right? That's why what the Thunder are doing is so special because they're still developing, but yet they're still winning. But so to me, it's over for the Warriors as we know it. You got to make these deals, see what you can get, maybe some picks, some young pieces. There's no veteran out there who logically would go to the Golden State and you're going to be a championship contender. So it's done. Am I off with that with the Warriors assessment? No, I think you're right. Because, I mean, the reality is, look, let's go back two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. The Jordan when Jordan Poole was still like a good player, mm -hmm. right? He he was that beacon of hope that's like, okay, as these guys get older, we have another. They were calling him the third splash, bro. Mm -hmm. We have another that can shoot and make crazy plays and he can handle the ball. He can do mm -hmm. this and that, right? After that Draymond incident, we know basketball is a mental game. Mm -hmm. Now it's not an excuse because I mean he still has to perform, he still has to be a pro. But the reality is you could tell he lost his confidence. Mm -hmm. He lost the chemistry with the team. He lost the confidence. He it seems like after winning that ring, 
it seems like he stopped caring as much about basketball as he used to. Like he's that hunger is not there from him. Like I'm talking, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy that was in the G League, worked his way up to the NBA on a dynasty, made an impact on a dynasty in the finals with a dynasty. Like that's a great story. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen the evolution, right? And now we're just seeing him fall off to like, bro, you out there on the Wizards just just balling. <laughs> like you're just doing whatever. You feel me? It's pickup, Rucker Park or something, LA Fitness, YMCA Saturday morning. That's what he's on. And and I related to like I always come back to the Draymond punch. I come back to him getting money early, I, all the fame, the clout early. All that plays a part into it, right? Now, let's say Draymond and him don't have that beef, and he keeps his confidence, right? And he's still that third guy. He can make up for Clay falling off. You know what I mean? And we got to have a talk about Draymond, man. Like we know he he's been he's been incremental to the success of the Warriors. But he's also played a part in the downfall. He's the reason KD didn't stay. You know, him and KD got into it. KD said, I'm out. Him and Paul got into it. They had to choose between Draymond and Paul. They're going to choose Paul because he wasn't playing good. And Draymond, you know, he's the OG. They're going to they're going to tell Paul that, you know, he got to go. So we got to have a talk. We got to have an honest talk about Draymond too, man. Like he's – I don't want to say he's all to blame for this because the Warriors mm-hmm. management, they made some, you know, questionable moves too. But at the end of the day, like, bro, you, you like – you got two good players out of there. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Because if KD stayed, who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows how many they would have won? That team was unstoppable when healthy. We saw that. So I don't know, but it's definitely time to like it's time to get it out of there. I'm still a believer in Clay, like in spots and certain spots. Like I feel like if he went to like a, another team, a contending team, where he doesn't have to get as many shots as he normally wants. You know, he could come in and be that timely shot guy. Like Ray Allen was for the Heat. He could, I can mm-hmm. see him doing it for certain teams. Because mm-hmm. he still can shoot it, but it's just not what it used to be. His defense isn't what it used to be. So, I don't know, man. It's a crazy situation. But, like, you know, it happens all the time in sports. Dynasty ends. You know, dynasties end. That's just what happens. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like I said, there's – you can't really just – the Warriors' success was Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and the strong Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut. Like there are different pieces that were crucial. Mark Jackson was a key piece to building up Steph and Clay, right? And then Steve Kerr took over. Like you can't really pinpoint one thing, but it was an accumulation of all these things happening, certain things happening at the right place at the right time that led to their success. And there's the downfall of it is the Draymond situation, punching Jordan Poole, and just the trouble that he brings doesn't outweigh – I mean, it outweighs his production at this point, right? Um, and also, you can look at the drafting and the development, right? James Fans will always look at James Wiseman, the second pick, over LaMelo Ball, right? I, I see what the Warriors were trying – at the time, I said, I see what you're trying to do. James Wiseman could possibly be the best big man the Warriors have had during this era of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I saw the vision, but skill base wise if you have a LaMelo Ball here in Golden State, how much spring is that for a Steph and a Clay, right? Um, you drafted John Kaminga. It looks like that's that's probably going to work out for them. You draft the Moses Moody at the 14th pick. I don't know what happened. What's going on with him, right? Um, whether it's a confidence thing, once again, basketball is all about confidence, right? And so Moses Moody was a solid prospect coming out of college and seems like his playing time has been up and down. Now, who knows if he's in the plans of, the Warriors in the future, right? And so there's there's so many things that you can look at when it comes down to the Warriors in the spot that they're in. But if they keep the roster as is, 
they're going to struggle to be a 10th seed in the Western Conference, right? And you can't – Clay's not getting younger. Dre's not getting younger. Steph's not getting younger. Chris Paul's not getting younger. Like, what? what's the future of this franchise? Like, what is it? Are you going to rock out with, with, with the big three until they retire? Or are you going to really make moves to figure out, okay, where do you want this franchise to be in 10 years? Because – once again, just like the Hawks, they're in a fork in a row, right? Do you want to make moves now to figure out the future, or do you want to take a chance and let the status quo remain and be a perennial lottery team for the next handful of years? And the Warriors are tiptoeing. They're tiptoeing that line. So we'll see what they decide to do. The other team I had a question about, like, it's actually one of my favorite teams to watch this year. I like their makeup, and they have a bunch of guys who will be great pickups for any playoff team, like mainly Laurie Marketing for sure. The Jazz. The Jazz. Um, they're they're tenth in the West, twenty four and twenty four right now. Lori Marketing, Chris Dunn, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkston, Simone Fontecchio, Kelly Olynyk, John Collins, Walker Kessler. Like these are really solid ball players, right? And so when you look at them being competitive, if you look at the roster, it's not that shocking, right? Lori Marketing to me is a marquee player. He's just in Utah, right? A team that nobody really thinks about or watches. He's a guy that I want the Sixers to think about calling about how many how many first rounders would it would it take? Because I might be willing to give him a couple for Laurie Marketing, right? Chris Dunn, a great defensive guard who would be great off a team's bench, right? Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton. I mean, these are guys that are just straight buckets. And so for the Jazz, they're in an interesting spot to where you have your number one guy in Laurie Marketing. You have a bunch of great solid pieces. To me, I think they're in a great spot, honestly. You, you, you're you going to field a bunch of calls from teams, and you weigh the offers because every single guy that I mentioned could help out a team right now. And so for me, Danny Ainge in Utah, I think they wait and see what they're going to do because to me it's just it's gravy. If they make the play-in, maybe they sneak into the playoffs, right? Like who knows what happens. But to me, they're ahead of schedule. Danny Ainge just wants to collect draft picks anyway. Follow that OKC model with Sam Preston number doing. Maybe you keep a marketing. Maybe you get some couple, a couple assets, young pieces, couple draft picks. See what you can do in the draft in a couple of years. And I think Utah maybe in a couple of years could be another young team on the rise. And so for me, if Utah stays pat, I wouldn't be mad. But if they make a couple of moves, I wouldn't be mad either. To me, Utah's in a great spot when it comes to the trade deadline and the rest of the season. Honestly, yeah, I agree. I think it's time to go get them picks, man. Mm-hmm. Go get them picks. Let's, you know. You already know, because the thing is, especially in today's NBA, there's a lot of teams that are right there. Mm-hmm. They just need a piece. So if I'm the Jazz, you want this piece? Let me get some picks. Let me get some draft capital. Because it's Utah. We know free agents are not coming to Utah. Like, they're a small market team. Anytime they've had success, it's been, you know, they they got a Carl Malone. They got a, um, a John Stockton. You know what I mean? They got a Darren Williams mm-hmm. out of the draft. So, it's time. It's time to say, you know, you know what? All right, let's go get these picks. Danny Ainge, he was doing that with the Celtics. They had a they had a team that was full of, you know, role players, but they were competing. You know what I mean? So, all right, boom, let's go get these picks. Then we can draft our Tatum and Jalen Brown. They can do the same thing in Utah. You know what I mean? So, this is a no-brainer to me. Let's go get these picks, man. There's no point in making a plan. I mean, if they do, that's cool, but for what? You know, Danny Ainge, he's played, he, he, was a win- he was a winner as a player. You know what I mean? So now it's time to go be it's time to keep keep the winning streak alive. He knows what it takes to win. But let's go get these picks. Let's go get, draft these young guys. Let's get them right. And then you know you can use that capital down the line to trade. Like okay, season in a great position because of that. They have so many picks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they hit on a lot of their picks too. So yeah, 
Yeah. And the great thing about it is if you trade a Jordan Clarkson or a Colin Sexton, you got Keontae George, who's just waiting for more more run, right? Like, what better time to give him reps? Because he's shown, to me, he can be a really solid piece for that franchise, right? Even um, Ochai Abaji. Uh, I hope mm-hmm. I'm not butchering his last name, but I, I like him out of Kansas. You know what I mean? Like they have a couple they have, they have some guys in the G League, Taylor Hendricks, um, Bryce Sensabaugh, Ohio State, two guys that I really like them picking up. So Utah's in a spot where they if they even they've trade if they trade away some of these guys, they have the young players that they can afford to move up some in reps and develop. And I, I think they're in a win win situation. And I think Laurie Marketing can be a key piece, like for this franchise for years to come. Like Number two option possible in a championship contending team. I think Laurie is that good. Like what he's shown, he's healthy finally. But at his size, the ability to shoot, put the ball on the floor, attack mismatches. I mean, he's probably one of the best players that most people don't even see or watch or even talk or even think about. But if you put marketing in an L.A. situation or a Knicks situation, how much does that raise their their level? Right. So, man, Daryl Morey. You might have to call Danny Ainge about marketing. I don't know, man. He he's to me, he's that good. I have dreams of a Maxi and B marketing trio, man. Like, that's the dream right there. But probably not happening. Danny Ainge probably wants like five of them picks. Hmm. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Um, so those are my thoughts on the deadline. Is there any other teams or things or players that you're looking at or you're interested in seeing like if they make a move or which which teams could really set themselves up come playoff time? with a deadline move and what, what kind of move would that even be? I mean, I feel like a lot of teams, like I said, there's so many teams that are right there. They just need, you know, a piece here and there, like the Sixers. We know personally, I think we need a bigger two, or like a three and D guy, a guy like Caruso, a guy like DeAndre Hunter would be cool. You know, just a three and D guy that's bigger that can play the two and the three, just more versatility in the backcourt. Um, the Knicks, I feel like they made a good move already in OG. They don't – I mean, if you ask me, I don't know – I don't think the Knicks really need much more. Like, they could get more scoring off the bench if they want. But other than that, I think they're ready to just really try to make a run, man. Like, I'm a believer in Brunson, man. I'm a believer in JB. Randall, <laughs> it is what it is with him. But if he's that's the high, change. Yeah. That's the change they could make. <laughs> that's the change they could make, but they're doing so good. Ever yeah. since the OG, I don't think they'll move on. Um, the Bucks, we know they need – they could use some more defense. We know that. I'm hearing that the Celtics are still trying to make moves, but – they're a deep team already. They could use, you know, more bench board bench scoring, you know, people off the bench, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to do. We talked about the Heat already. The Pacers made a good move with Siakam, mm-hmm. right? On the Western Conference side of things, I know the Clippers, you know, they may, they may be able to uh, make a move to, you know, solidify the rest of their bench because they're playing great ball, man. Mm-hmm. So come playoff time, if they could just get another piece, you know, off the bench to help them out, that'd be huge. The Suns, I know they need some defense. Um, the Mavericks, we 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 talked about them a lot. Who knows? I'm not a believer. I was never a believer. In not a believer, I, I but yeah. it's like you never know. They could make a move that could you know help them out a lot. Um, the Lakers, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. It's gonna be interesting because <laughs> you we already know all the talk about oh D'Lo has to go, D'Lo has to go, and then he goes on this streak of balling, and it's like okay, are we going to trade him or not? And now a lot of people, a lot of the sources are saying they're not going to trade him. I, I like D'Lo's game. I've always been a fan of D'Lo since Ohio State. But you also got to consider that he wasn't – he didn't do his thing in the playoffs against the Nuggets, man. And that's what it's going to come down to. We don't know – you're taking a risk. Like, are we going to – do we trust him to do this in the playoffs? 
I'm not saying he won't. I'm not saying he will. We just have to see. Like, we really don't know. Because every time we see him in the playoffs outside of Brooklyn, he's been, what, the third option, and he hasn't really performed to that to that level that we know he can. But at the same time, it's because, truthfully, D'Lo isn't a third option. Like, that's not his game. His game is ISO, pick and roll, let me create my own shot. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy. He's not a stand-in-the-corner guy. So the Lakers, they have a crazy dilemma, man. It's like, do we get rid of D'Lo? And if we get rid of him, what are we getting? Because his value isn't that high right now. You know what I mean? Like, even though he's playing well, teams still know we're not competing with D'Lo as our best player. You know what I mean? This isn't the Nets that one season. Even then, we knew the Nets weren't going to go far. So it's a tricky situation for them. I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, but honestly, if, I, if I'm them right now, I'm, I, I guess you would have to keep him because what are you going to get? If you're not getting nobody better than him or somebody that's a clearly better fit than him, you're on, you're just going to go backwards. Like I was hearing they could get DeJounte, and DeJounte, he might be a better fit for them because he he's going to play defense and he's not going to – like Brian and AD can do the scoring. We need you to do the dirty work, and he, he's that type of player. I can see that in him. But if they're not getting DeJounte or somebody like that plays that type of role – you just got to stick with him and see what happens, man, because it might pan out. If he gets hot in the playoffs and he knocks down them shots, you never know. But I don't know. They're in a crazy situation. They're in a crazy situation. I don't believe in the Lakers. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I mean, we saw it Saturday. You're relying on a, a, a guy who's pushing 40 to be superhuman, to beat a team in the Warriors who aren't even in the play-in. Right. Like that's that's where, that, that's the reality of the situation, and and like I think we give we give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt because they have LeBron, but if that's the only reason we're giving you the benefit of the doubt, then I can't I can't trust it, right? Because who are you on a consistent basis? On a consistent basis, your record right now is twenty four and twenty four, which makes sense because on any given night, I don't know which Lakers team is going to show up. So the fact that you're 24 and 24, same record as the Jazz, by the way, which is believable. The Lakers are five or 500. They are 500 team, which the record to me at this point, it should be that because this is a Jekyll and Hyde team. Right. I don't trust the coaching. Right. I don't know how the team feels about Darvin Ham. That's another situation. Another story. I don't trust the effort. On any given on a given night from this team from top to bottom, not LeBron, right? We know what LeBron's going to do, but the effort. Who are you when the lights are bright, when the pressure's on, on a consistent basis? I don't think the Lakers are built like that, right? We know who the Nuggets are on a consistent basis. We know who the Timberwolves are. We know who the Thunder are. We know who the Clippers are right now. The Lakers, I don't even know what their identity is outside of LeBron. It's a shaky foundation. And I just don't trust it. Like I, you get a Dejounte Murray. Okay, now what? Are you better than the Clippers? Are you better than the Thunder? Are you better than the Nuggets? I, like the, these are just the questions. Like you make these moves. Dejounte Murray would it be an upgrade over D'Lo? Yeah, defensively, yes. I think he adds another dynamic that they could definitely use. But once again, 
outside of that, the Torian Princes. Torian, if you if you have championship aspirations, Torian Princes are starting three. <laughs> there's no this I mean, no disrespect to Torian Prince, but it's just the reality of it, right? Like he would be perfect energy guy off the bench, right? Is Torian Prince starting on the Thunder? Is he starting on the Clippers? Is he starting <laughs> on Minnesota? Is he starting on like you gotta really look at these lineups here? Like it's funny when they made it when they when they made that move to Gim, I was like, uh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like Cam Reddish, you know, he's shown flashes, but it just it just might it's just not gonna hit for him. It's just I think it is what it is. Rui Huchamara, nice player, but consistently, who are you? Jared Vanderbilt, consistently, who are you? Austin Reeves, nice player, but that's not a big three. AD LeBron and Austin Reeves is not a big three because he will get cooked and hunted out defensively. You know what I'm saying? So outside of LeBron and AD, once again, just with the Hawks conversation, who's that third guy that you can rely on to be like a really go bucket getter? Like OKC has a Jalen Williams. That's just not fair to me, right? You already got SGA and Chet. And then you got a Jalen Williams who's big, smooth with it, can hit you with the mid-range, can hit you with the outside shot, can pass it. To me, that's what's unlocking a lot of these teams. They have that third guy that can create for himself and others. Who is that for the Lakers that you can actually depend on? Like really get a bucket at any given moment at all at all levels on the court. I just don't see it. Right. Um, like we said, we can't trust D'Lo in that situation right now. We just – it's and, just I mean, funny because this is the team we're talking about that made it to the conference finals last year. Even though they got swept, it's like, yeah. dang, y'all. <laughs> but now it's like, bro. But then I come back to the point, right? Right now, if it's shaped up, they would play the Timberwolves round one. I don't know who I'm picking in that series. Like, I know the Timberwolves have played great. They play better in the regular season. But am I trusting Anthony Edwards and Kett over Brown and AD in a playoff series? I, well, hold I don't on. know. Well, hold on. They would play Utah in the play-in. They got to get past Utah first. Yeah, you're, you're right. But it's the same situation they had last year. You know what I'm saying? But okay, then Dallas New Orleans is the next is the next matchup in the play in. I don't know. Luca Luca's Luca. Kyrie's Kyrie. Do you want to test yourself in a in a winner go home against Luca and Kyrie? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that is dangerous. That's that's the the Lakers are putting themselves in a position where, yes, okay, if they make the playoffs and play in Minnesota or OKC, could that experience could they win a series against those teams? Yes. But also, would you trust them in a a winner go home playing against Luka and Kyrie. Yeah, they, they got to definitely they, – they definitely got to get in. Um, They're a weird they team. They're a yeah. weird team because if they get in the playoffs, okay, they got LeBron, AD, they can make a run. But also yeah. one game, Luka, Kyrie versus AD, LeBron, and Torian Prince and Jared Vanderbilt and Austin Reeves and D'Lo. Uh, I've, we've seen – we saw Luka just take over a game. We've seen Kyrie just go. Let me just yeah. do it. Yeah, you know I mean? so they have to get they have to they have to finish in the top six. I don't think they are. I just don't see it. Minnesota's yeah. not going anywhere. Denver, OKC, Clippers, the Kings, and the Suns. Are they breaking in that top six? No, they're not. That's not how they're playing. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Either way, they may have to. They may have to face. They may have to answer to Luca and Kyrie in the play when it's all said and done. And I wouldn't feel comfortable if I'm a Lakers fan, because one game, mm, that's trouble. So, speaking of Luca, 
Um, you had a topic that you wanted to talk about. I think I think it's a really good conversation. It's been driving the conversation for basketball fans for sure. But uh, you can talk about what uh, what's been on your mind. Yeah, um, I've just been seeing a lot of talk about uh, defense being too weak in the NBA, mm-hmm. defense versus offense, offense being overpowered. And this is one of those conversations where I see both sides, like completely. Because on the defensive side, you know, the argument is it's, it's a few arguments. The rules are different, right? No hand checking. Um, the refs are they're giving the star players are giving them more calls. You could talk about the pace of the game. You could talk about the three point shot. You could talk about the spacing. It's so many things that um tie into why there's so much more scoring now. But there's also the side that's like some of these players are just so advanced. Like we're seeing guys come down tween tween behind the back step back from 30 feet, no defense is stopping it. You know what I mean? No defense can really stop that. Like, but at the same time, I'm questioning the effort, right? I'm watching the Hawks and the Mavs. Like there's certain players where Luca, first of all, Luca's probably the slowest guy on that court. Mm-hmm. He's just jogging to the lane, layup, excuse me, layup. Oh, get off me. Excuse me. And it's like, he's making it look effortlessly. So I'm torn. I'm like, bro, are these guys that good? Or is defense that bad? That's the question that's, that's been coming up. And it's a little bit of both. These guys are that good. Like, Luka is more advanced than a lot of the players that we've seen in history, right? And B, at seven foot, what he can do, he's more advanced than a lot of the big men that we've seen in history. But at the same time, there comes a time where as a player on defense, you have to say, you know what, I'm not even going to let you touch the ball. Like, when Cat was going crazy that other night and he hit, what, like eight threes a half? Mm-hmm. I'm, we're denying him. We're denying him a half court. He's not. We're not even letting him touch the ball. He's not because all he wants to do is get it and shoot. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's deny him. So I don't know. It's a. It's a. It's a tricky situation. And it's just like even when you watch the game, if you go back and watch Kobe's eighty-one points, mm-hmm. it's tough bucket, tough bucket. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of it isn't even off the dribble. You know, he's doing a lot of you know coming off his screens, coming off a down screen, catching it, pump fake, two pump fakes, bumping into somebody and one. It's a lot. It's a lot of footwork involved. It's not so much of the easy, easy looks that, you know, these guys are getting today. So I don't know, man. It's just, um, and then again, I look at it like this. There's, there's certain guys that are dropping 40. Like who dropped 40? PJ Washington, dropped, Washington 40. dropped 40. That's PJ how you Washington know something was off with the, with, and with it was the, crazy. the, the everybody matrix was off. Everybody on Twitter was like, bro, what's going on in the NBA? And we got Paul <laughs> Pierce tweeting. Um, it's tweeting, I miss defense in the NBA. And guys were clowning Paul Pierce because they showing clips of him getting his ankles broken. But the truth is, Paul Pierce was getting buckets in a tougher mm. NBA era. Mm. It was hard to the shot. You go watch some Paul Pierce clips. Paul Pierce is not athletic. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the craziest handle, mm. but he knew how to get a shot off and he knew how to make them. And he was clutch. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Like I, I'm fifty fifty on it. Honestly, what do what do you think? It's complicated, right? Because. Where I want, I don't want to start this. Um, the game has evolved, right? So the skill level of basketball players offensively, naturally, is going to it's going to take a lap over the defensive evolution, right? Because defensive skills don't change, right? You get low, hands out, move your feet. 
like defensive skills don't. The schemes may change over the years, but the skills don't change, right? It's but the offensive skills are going to evolve and change, and the skills of these guys. That I mean, we see we're seeing Wimbenyama now, right? Like that's it's only going to. I see clips of these guys overseas, these high schoolers on on Twitter all the time. These new prospects, like like we're yeah, it's so far gone now. Like it's almost at a point to where to be a basketball player, you have to have got to be able to shoot, dribble, pass, rebound, and defy. you got to be pretty much a four or five two player in basketball now to make it to the NBA. Like that's just what it is, right? And so. With that, this evolution of positionless basketball, you're going to have these coaches who sort of are going to come up in that era, right? And they gravitate toward that style of play. And so you're sort of kind of forced to stick up with the times. Like, look at Rick Carlisle, for instance, right? How he's changed his philosophy over the years. He's been around for a long time. He's seen it. And now look at the type of team that he's running now, the Pacers, like they're lighting up the scoreboard. Right. And so I think it's a tough situation for coaches because, yes, they know deep down inside to win the teams that go deep in the playoffs and win championships. They have that defensive mentality. It's in them and they show it because you have to. Yeah, you got to get stops. You got to rebound. That's a part of defense, too. And so the teams that win are still going to play defense. They're still going to buckle down. Right. And so for me it's a combination of a lot of things. Like, like I just said, the evolution of offensive players, the skill, the evolution of even just the mindset of coaching and, and just how teams are brought up. Now you look at the high school game, middle school game, like it's, it's running and gunning. It's putting, it's lighting up the scoreboard positionless basketball players and coaches are brought up in this era and they see what's going on. This is how you compete. That's just where the game is right now. Defensively, the values don't change. It's always going to be about your effort, your determination, and your buy-in to whatever the coach is, whatever the scheme is, right? And so even the most – even the, the non-athletic players who I've, I've talked to or I've watched over the years, you can still be a good defensive player by knowing the tendencies of a player of offense, by being at the right spot, watching film, knowing I got to be here because I know this guy is going to, he's going to favor here. Let me, let me beat him to a spot because I know he likes to go here. Right. That's what it comes down to actually being a student of the game and want to be good defensively. Right. And so I know I just said a lot, but I hope that made sense, but that's just my takeaway from watching the game being a student and a historian of, you know, opinions of what's, what's where the game was, where it's at and where it's going. That's, that's, that's how I see it. Um, it's a, it, it's a tough spot as a coach though, right? Like you see where the game is at and you want, to me, positionless basketball is, is the wave right now. That's how you have to play this game. Look at the thunder, right? When it comes to building a team now, right? Evaluating players, Yes, phys- physically, do those players have the ability to defend? But also mentally, do they have the psyche and the determination to want to defend, right? You got to look inside that player's heart and that mind, right? You can't just always see it on a stat sheet, on a box score, but actually watch what they do. Because if they haven't come up playing defense, like look at Dame in, in Milwaukee. Right. What do you expect? Right. <laughs> he came into this league not playing defense. 
Same you can't all of a sudden, year what? Oh, flip the switch. I'm locking down now. No. Kawhi had it in him. Like, guys that are known for their defense, like, they had it in them from day one, right? And so it's a mentality to me um, that you got to have. And as a coach, you can, you, can, you can do the drills. You can practice. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to an individual standpoint. That's me. That, that's my feeling on it. Yeah, and I can agree with that because I'm seeing guy, a guy like Kevin Durant. He's been one of the best uh, on-ball defenders this year, mm-hmm. you know, by the metrics. Mm-hmm. And even if you just watch the game, like it was a game against the Kings where he turned that game around in the fourth off of his defense and sparked mm-hmm. the whole comeback. And we're not known like KD. We know he has the tools to play defense, but he doesn't always lock into that, you know, because he's a he's a killer scorer. I don't blame mm-hmm. him, but when he wants to, he can. So you're right; it's definitely a mentality thing. But um, these guys are just so advanced. It's like sometimes, what can you do, bro? I got a guy like Lucas out here. He's doing a slow in between the legs dribble, doing this little step back from 30 plus feet in your mouth. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know what I'm I mean? saying, so. Yeah. Like off the offensive game is always going to evolve. Right. Like, but defensively, how can you evolve the individual? I mean, yeah. there's nothing That's different true. you can do. Like when James Naismith invented the game to now, defensively, as far as the individual, what, what can change? Right, it's many ways to score. It's not many ways to play defense. Def- defense is defense. How I was taught when I played, get low, slide those feet. Like, yeah, there's only – Yeah, like, what do you – help Like help defense? Like, these are basic right. things that aren't right. going to change. There are schemes that dictate, you know, how you want to go about it, and there are, you know, matchups that dictate how you want to go about it. But outside of that, the guys are going to get bigger. They're going to get faster. They're going to – we got a 7'6 guy that can handle – he did a sham guy the other day. Vic did the sham yeah, guy. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Word. What are you going to do? You know yeah. what I mean? And so it's it's tough. And as a coach, like if I was if I was a coach in the NBA, I would want to get a positionless players because that's yeah. that's just what I value, and that's where the game is at. That's how you have to compete. All right, you got to have multiple guys that can just push it, handle it, and be creators. That's where the game is at. And so as a yeah, coach, yes, yeah, so like what what as a coach, how do you combat that? That's when it comes down to really knowing inside does a player want to actually compete on the defensive end. And that's a culture. That's, that's a culture situation. And most guys coming up, look, you know, even when I was playing, when, when, when you were playing, like when you go in the gym, what are you working on? Nine times out of 10. You're working on your offense, your shot, your ball handle. You don't, people don't just practice defensive drills. You're not just going, you're not going to see a guy practice defensive slides. You know, you may do slides every now and then in practice, we did defensive slides as a team. You know, right. but when when you hear players interview and talk about what they want to work on for the next season, what are they saying? I want to go my shot. I want to get my my handle tighter. Right. I want to be a better creator. Rather, players are working on their vertical before they work on defense. That's like, what I'm saying. Even today, the pros you watch these guys work out on Instagram. They're not yeah. they're not showing them to do defensive workouts. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just what it is, right? And so it's it's a catch twenty two because yes, you want guys. It's a beautiful thing. What as far as the skill level of these guys, right? Like it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing where the game is. At. I love it. So you want your players to be more skilled, but you got to the con. The, the con to that is we're going to be we're going to lock into this, like being right. a, a unicorn, being the next Steph and the next Trey. That's what we're going to lock into. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, but there are guys that are still holding it down. McDaniel's in Minnesota, like great defensive player. Like there, there are guys and teams that still, when it comes down to it, can, can lock in. 
but it's a it's a it's a mentality, an individual thing. Because I don't think there's not a I don't think there's a, there's an NBA coach who just doesn't want his team to play defense. No, it's just right. If teams are putting up one thirty a game, and I got to compete with this, what I got to eventually be able to put up one thirty because you can't stop a great player. I can't stop KD and Luca from getting thirty right. and forty. I can't stop Joel from doing what he does. Right, and so you got to have that perfect blend of like skill based talent. But also that mentality, and that comes to the culture. Like certain teams just have have that culture. And at the end of the day, even when we talk about teams that compete for a championship, defense is still important because when we talk about the Bucks, what do we say? They don't play defense. Yep. We talk about the Pacers; they don't play defense. So the teams that we talk about as far as championship contenders, we say, okay, defensively, they have that switch. So they, when they, when it's all said and done, come playoff time. Defense still matters. Regular season is what it is. Like you're going to have moments where you may not be in it fully. It's 82. It's, it's a grind, right? So you're going to have these moments. It's just that nowadays, even in the 80s, like if the skill level was where it's at now in the 80s, we would have these scoring nights too. Yeah. We just would. Mike Michael Jordan had 60, you know, when he, you know, as a as a young bull against against the Celtics, right? David Robinson had a 70 piece. You know, in the 90s, which is not talked about. David Robinson had a 70 piece. And but right. we don't talk about David Robinson as far he's a great player, but he's not in our minds. We're talking about the best scorers of all time. But David Robinson, but I think it's just it's the frequency too. Like we're seeing more guys get seventy points, but that goes into the fact that more guys are it's more guys working on skilled things. Like mm-hmm. guys are more skilled these days. We have mm-hmm. players. You can you have a short guy like D Mitch and Dane dropping seventy, mm-hmm. and you have a guy like Embiid dropping 70, then you have a big guard dropping 70 in the span of two years. You know what I mean? It's just so many different players that can do it. And like we said, like I said, man, like there's so many ways to score. There's only but so many ways to play defense. Mm-hmm. Minute, so. Pace and space era of basketball. With pace comes more opportunities to shoot and score. With spacing becomes more opportunities to get your game off. And that's just where it's at. From all levels of basketball, from the boys to the girls, middle school, high school, college game, College game is still kind of rough sometimes. They they they'll they'll lie down in college. They're, they're even evolving. Some, yeah, they so. are. They are. You know what I mean? So it's I don't know where honestly, I, I think we can expect to see more of this because the guys that I'm seeing on Twitter from these scouts, they ain't getting shorter and they can all shoot in, in dribbling. <laughs> like I'm seeing the top prospect, what's his name? Um is Alexander Saar. Yeah, he looks crazy. I don't know where they're making these dudes at, but I'm looking up I'm looking up the name now just to make sure I get it right. Imagine, imagine how Sheem the beat came in this era with handle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I, Alexandre, right yeah Ale, Alexandre Saar is a top prospect, 18 years old. He's um seven foot one, but he can move around a little bit. Yeah. Like this is this is where it's at right now. Like new league. Yeah, it, it is what it is. And so, yeah, as a coach, what do you do? You know, so I think that'll be an interesting topic, a conversation. Maybe we can bring a coach on one day and talk about that, maybe a high school, college level, pro level coach and get their viewpoints. Because I think as a coach, like, I think you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, you got to, you know, you, you got to play defense to win, but also you want to have guys that are skilled and can handle and can shoot and can do all these things to compete. I don't know. It's a tough situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just that's just what it is. Like we're no longer you can't just be 
I think there's only one type of specialist that will always be in demand. That's a shooting, a three-point specialist. Yeah. As far as a shot-blocking specialist, you got to be able to – I think at this point, you got to be able to defend the rim and also shoot as a big man, right? Like, that's what they want now. A shot blocker, oh, and he can stretch the floor as a shooter. That's just what it is right now. So, good conversation. We can definitely revisit. I would love to get a coach on to talk about that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we we went at it. A little over an hour. I like that. I like that. The longest, the longest show we ever did, but it was it was a good combo. Yeah, for it, was, sure. it was a good combo for sure. Episode twenty seven. We'll be up and running. Um, shout out to our. We, we, we're trying a new streaming pla- a new recording platform. That's what's allowing us to go longer. And uh, we're gonna figure out this editing thing. And we got a lot of capabilities with this one too. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what we can do with it. But look for more exciting stuff for us. Setting up some websites. You know where to find us, Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Podcasts now. Working on Spotify. We got to figure that out. Um, we're setting up a sub stack. Yeah, we're we doing some things. We're going to get the social media up and running too. IG, you mentioned TikTok, I think, Twitter. So yeah, we, we try and do it. Um, this is the development phase, and we're, we're growing. And by this time next year, definitely I'm excited to see where, where we're going to be at. So it's going to be some fun stuff. Thanks for rocking with us. Episode 27 will be up and running. I was saying a day or so. Give us some time yeah. to work out the yeah. editing kinks on this new platform. But uh, we got y'all. Thank y'all for watching and listening. All right. Peace out.